and welcome to Puck University. I'm your host, Tim Williams, joined by, as usual, our New England correspondent, Chris Lynch, up in the Boston area, and we have a lot to talk, talk about this week, but I think we need to just take a little bit of time to appreciate Hockey's back. We're we're back at games again. We're back watching games again. Hockey, we're not just talking about how close it is. It's here. We're actually seeing regular season hockey again. It's a beautiful sight. And actually, last week I was uh, in Amherst for two things. I covered a football game between USF and, uh, and UMass. And then immediately after that football game ended, I went over to the Mullins Center where uh, the Minutemen played the Royal Military College of Canada. And it was a small crowd. It was an exhibition game crowd, as you'd expect from any place where the attention wasn't that overwhelming. But it was a really nice way to get the season started. And then the next day, I went up to Merrimack and saw them play Lake State, which I'd never seen Lake State play before. I love their uniforms. And uh, uh, it, it's just, it's a beautiful sight. And it's get to be back home. And I'm sure you're feeling the same way about uh, the lightning being around and having games to, uh, to talk about with them. Yeah. In fact, we're recording this on Thursday. I'm hoping to edit it and put it online Thursday evening, but right after I do that, I'm going to be getting in my car and heading across the Bay to Tampa to go to Amelie arena and cover the lightning taking on the Vancouver Canucks. So That'll be a lot of fun. It's good to get back in the arena. Saturday was their opener, so that was really refreshing. And certainly down here, it's still hot, so it's nice to get in a nice cold building, too, on top of everything else. But college hockey, of course, is back. You mentioned you were able to get to the Mullen Center Saturday, and I'm glad because I got a few texts from you Saturday during that football game. It did not sound like the world's most well-played football game at McGurk Stadium. So I'm glad you got over to the Mullen Center to see a much more promising hockey team. Uh, neither of the games I covered were really that well played, honestly. It was a 56-42 to 42 victory in which defense existed when turnovers happened. Otherwise, it uh, wasn't there at all. And then the hockey game, UMass outshot the Paladins of Royal Military 56-15. to 15. So uh, I'll be back out there this uh, upcoming week on Friday, actually. UMass opens up their season against, uh, against RPI on Friday night at 7. So I'll be there for that game. I'm hoping that there's a bit tighter competition, and uh, I'm really curious to see what uh, the Minutemen are able to do because everything I said about I like their skill, I really, really can't say enough how much I love the blue line that the Minutemen have constructed. So I'm excited to get to see what uh, what they do uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be in Amherst again uh, tomorrow, actually. Yeah, and they're taking on RPI in a very loaded schedule this week. They're, they're out-of-conference games everywhere, and a lot of them are just really great games. We'll get into a preview of this week's action. But first, a little bit about last week, because the season did start, although a lot of teams were playing exhibition games like Amherst, a lot of others were playing regular season games, and then there was Michigan, who played a mix of the two, 
and it didn't go quite the way they'd like because they won the game that didn't matter. Then they played Vermont on on Saturday night to open their season. And Vermont, in the upset of the week, and what could go down as the upset of the year when all is said and done, it's going to be hard to unseat this one. Vermont 5, Michigan 2, and the season is underway for a Wolverines team that has some high expectations. I feel like we need to start off by acknowledging that UVM probably isn't as bad as we have prognosticated them to be because the 2017 edition of the Catamounts was a 20-plus win team that had two very bad games in the postseason against BC in which they lost 7 to nothing and then 7 to 4 and if they would have uh if they had a better showing in one or both of those games they would have been in the NCAA tournament that's just 2 years ago and then last year they fell on hard times when they had str- people uh they had struggles scoring with anyone who wasn't Ross Colton who by the way now is in the Lightning uh system but as it stands right now i think the Catamounts are a better team than what they showed and their best attribute, a game-stealing goaltender. Stefanos Lekas with 48 saves on the game on 58 shots that Michigan took, including 23 shots by the Wolverines taken in the third period. None of them got through. If you have a game-stealing goaltender, as Vermont clearly does, and then Alex Esposito can make some things happen, and Liam Coughlin can make some things happen— I think Vermont is a better team than what they've uh, than what we have expected them to be. And if I'm Michigan, I'm worried about Hayden Levine because that's 23 shots that he faced and four goals got through him. So I worry about uh, bits of that blue line, and I don't worry about the offense at all. 50 shots a game through the college hockey season, Michigan will be fine offensively. Just Hope that Levine can get his legs under him. Yeah, and of course, they rebounded offensively the next night. They played Waterloo in an exhibition, and they did pretty well, 7-4. to four. But then you still see that four, so they're still letting up goals in that exhibition. Maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit, but you're right. That could be concerning for the Wolverines moving forward. And remember, they came into the season as the number four team in the preseason poll for whatever that's worth. And I'm sure in a few weeks we'll find out just how little. I think that uh, we'll move around and it's not the same team, but here's one uh, thing that should be noted about Michigan's run last year. They had no expectations on them for all of last season. And they surprised a lot of people. And Mel Pearson knows full well that it's a different test trying to coach a team that has full expectations of winning compared to one that absolutely doesn't. Michigan has the expectations, so we'll see what they're able to do with it moving forward. I, I hope for their sake, genuinely, that, uh, that uh, they rebound and that they uh, can make some noise. Uh, are, they, are they active this week? Are they, are they playing someone this week, or is it an off week for them? So that they're playing an exhibition game against the U.S. under-18 team. So they are playing. It's uh, it's another exhibition game against the uh, the U.S. 18. So they'll get another opportunity to work out their defensive uh, 
issues against a, what actually is a very good program in the, the U.S. under-18s. And, of course, the U.S. under-18 team, they are coming off a 4-1 win at Notre Dame, so they've already shown they can knock off the college hockey powers. They've shown that for a while now, actually. There was a, there was a hilarious scene when Jack Eichel played at BU in the 14-15 season where he... <laughs> Uh, BU played an exhibition game against uh, against the U.S. team, and Jack Eichel played for that U.S. team. So, of course, uh, he scored a lot and lit up BU, and then the next night BU played against Union, I think, and Jack Eichel was, uh, was on that team. So I'm not sure exactly how many Notre Dame players might have been on that team, but they have, uh, they have elite talents on, uh, on that unit, which, by the way... Uh, one of the one of the big founders of it was Jeff Jackson, the current Notre Dame head coach. He was a big part in getting that whole program underway after he left Lake Superior State in uh, in the middle of the nineties. In the headline matchup of the weekend last week, Minnesota Duluth and Minnesota played each other in a home and home. They tied on Saturday night. And then Minnesota at home hung seven on Minnesota Duluth. So you're defending national champions and one of the preseason favorites to be a contender this year stumbles a little bit out of the gate. Now, of course, Minnesota's a great team and they showed just how great winning seven to four on Sunday against Duluth. That's a statement. Oh, absolutely. It, it should be noted first off about the uh, the one one game. It was about as even as you could possibly have uh, have gotten. And because it was a non-conference game, I don't think there was uh, there was a shootout or anything like that because they do uh, use shootouts in NCHC play to sort out standings. This being a non-conference game, they just played the overtime and that was that. So uh, it should be noted that. 32 shots for Duluth, 28 for Minnesota. A lot more penalties for the Gophers, six compared to the three taken by Duluth. And Krieger, Peter Krieger, got the one Duluth goal on a power play. So Duluth, if uh, the Gophers are to take anything away from that game, is to take fewer penalties. And remember my criticisms of Hayden Levine when talking about Michigan? Uh, I fear that they might apply as well to Hunter Shepard. While fully noting that Shepard is a championship-caliber goaltender, he was barely pressured for a lot of his play in the Frozen Four last year. He faced 20 shots both nights against Ohio State and Notre Dame and allowed a goal each, and he was terrible in, uh, in this game against the Gophers. He faced 17 shots and allowed six goals. What's really damning is the second period, Minnesota got three shots on goal for the entire 20-minute stretch. Two of those goals went in. That is really, really bad, and uh, you can't have your goaltender have uh, that kind of a night against that caliber of opponent. You're going to get torched, and so I'll chalk it up to bad night for... uh, for Shepard and the Bulldogs, but they need to get his legs under him. 
and as we'll see when we talk about this coming week, they're going to, it doesn't get a whole lot easier for the Bulldogs. We've talked about that before. They have a rough early schedule, but just rounding out the surprise games of last week and the big games of last week, I'd say it's a pretty big surprise, even though the travel is a nightmare, that Colorado College, who, by the way, on Saturday won 10 to 2 at Anchorage. Anchorage beat them on Sunday 4 to 3, scoring two third period goals to win. Now we've said good things about Colorado College on this podcast and we've also mentioned many times that that Alaska trip is tough on everybody. But that's a big win for Anchorage, a school that very little is expected of this year. Yeah, brought in a new coach, and uh, it looked like on Saturday night it was going to be a long season. I listened to a bit of, uh, I listened to that game on uh, uh, the broadcast that Colorado College did, the radio broadcast of it, and it was just incredible, the offensive explosion. Colorado College got four goals in each of the first and second period and just piled on with two more, so... I think they'll have some offensive push uh, moving forward. And, you know, three goals in the second night is nothing to uh, nothing to, uh, uh, to sneeze at. But they gave uh, Alec Calvaruso, who's the backup goaltender for the Tigers, the second game after Alex LeClaire faced 20 shots, gave up one goal. Uh, so they gave... They gave uh, the Seawolves the goal, the backup treatment for the second game, and I think Calvaruso has got some uh, has got some development to uh, to undertake. But you can't really sleep on anybody in this sport. It's they're all they're all good teams, or they they all have talent, and if you sleep on any one of them, you're going to get burned. So you you really can't uh, can't sleep on anyone. I also wonder how much. A game like this, an early season game against a team that you should beat. I wonder how much of an impact that has on um, has on the pairwise rankings at the end of the season. I just I don't know exactly what kind of impact it could have, and I know the pairwise means absolutely nothing right now. But I just wonder what it means moving forward and what it will mean at the end of the season if the point difference is as a result of a game from early on that you absolutely should have won. That's a good point because we, we've kind of trained ourselves to not look at things like the pairwise rankings until February and with good reason. But that doesn't mean that they're not accumulating throughout the year and some Tough things can happen in those early games, but those games count. So they're going to matter late in the season when it's going to come down to what's the difference between one school and the other when selecting the field of 16 at the NCAA tournament. And if Colorado College were to be that good and were to be on that bubble, this kind of a loss could end up being a tough one to take. I mean, I just wonder what uh, what will end up happening with them moving forward. I'm sure that they'll get themselves corrected, and Alex LeClaire will be their starting goaltender for much of the season. I think that he'll be an important piece to 
uh, bring winning back to Colorado Springs. And I do think that uh, the they'll be they'll be a quality team to uh, uh, to to watch for, and they'll have a weekend series uh, upcoming coming against uh, Alabama Huntsville Springs. So you get to go home and you get uh, home cooking at the Broadmoor uh, Ice Palace, but uh, or Broadmoor World Arena, excuse me. But, you know, I just wonder what happens when you lose a game that you absolutely should win. Not need to, but should. Just, we might refer back to this uh, when we get to February, when we get to championship seasons. Uh, when we get to championship season, I should say. And it's also the kind of thing that can spark a team that a well-coached team can use a moment like this as what they might call a teachable moment and refer back to it throughout the season. Never take a game off. Remember what happened in Anchorage. Certainly possible. Uh, Certainly absolutely possible. And I would expect that uh, they're definitely not going to, I mean, you could probably say that for, uh, for Duluth as well, that Sandlin will uh, make sure that his guys know that if they let up, that uh, they're not going to have much to uh, look forward to. And Mike Haviland in Colorado Springs will definitely have something to say about that because they probably should beat Huntsville. Uh, excuse me, they should beat Huntsville. And then the real test on Saturday, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in the upcoming they have one game on the 12th against Huntsville, and on the 13th, they post the Air Force Academy. Because, of course, the season uh, doesn't really slack off for anyone here. So, you know, more fun for all of us with more good hockey, right? And while that's a Saturday game, I think that's a good way to transition into this week and the games ahead this week. Because, yes, on Saturday we get a matchup of Colorado College and Air Force. Now, this is an out-of-conference matchup, but it's also an in-state one. And actually, you couldn't get two colleges much much closer to each other, at least this side of the bean pot. Yeah, that's about accurate. I mean, this side of... I think the closest uh, distance is actually between BU and Harvard. It's just a short blast down... Uh, uh, down Storo Drive in order to get there uh, from again Serena to get to uh, get to there, but they're both right, right, basically on top of each other, and they have the Pikes Peak Trophy to contend for back and forth with each other. So I definitely see this as being well. It's it's one of the marquee matchups uh, this weekend, so or at least one that we really should keep your eyes on and uh, pay some pay some real attention to. I just want to see what Air Force can do against uh, an improved Tigers unit, and I want to see what Air Force uh, will do when, you know, properly tested, I guess, and not playing uh, playing exhibition. Though we get to see a lot of Air Force because that's the second game of uh, their Colorado tour because the Falcons are going to Denver to play the Pioneers the night before. So we get plenty of Colorado, uh, of the college hockey in the state of Colorado, I should say. So gear up for uh, for those two games. Yeah, as it should be. Air Force playing Denver on Friday night. That's going to be a fun one as well. 
And it it's one of the marquee matchups out West, these Air Force games against the Colorado schools, you know, of which they're included, of course. But there are a lot of great games this weekend. You're looking, there are a few matchups where both the teams involved have a number next to their name. We've already mentioned Duluth coming in. They didn't win either of their games last weekend. Those were tough games to win. Of course, the second one being at Minnesota. That's one of the toughest places to win in all of college hockey. It doesn't get a whole lot easier. They go to Michigan Tech for the weekend to take on a Michigan Tech team that we already talked about this. They could be pretty good. I mean, they've been pretty good. They've won the last two WCHA titles, the most recent one, in a pretty significant upset. And that coaching staff and uh, that bit of stability that they have, even with Mel Pearson uh, leaving, their main assistant came on and became their their main guy. So I definitely see some uh, some potential for uh, for uh, Michigan Tech to provide some upset, especially if Shepard is as shaky as he was in uh, as, as shaky as he was in the second game against the Gophers. That's a team where you just smell they're vulnerable. Take a shot at them. So I think they'll uh, I think they'll provide some uh, provide a real test for them for for the whole weekend and also. Going to the Upper Peninsula is kind of brutal. It's not going to be as hard this year, or this time of year, because it isn't really until it gets cold and uh, and kind of miserable when you start to realize, all right, this is why no one likes coming up here uh, if you're on the road. Yeah, it's a little easier early in the season, but that's going to be a tough test for Duluth, and they could come in as well much like we said of Colorado College maybe trying to take a loss as a as a motivational tool because these early season losses, if you're going to take a bad loss, you take them early in the season. So at the very least, you have all the time in the world to rebound. These weren't bad losses for Duluth, but they're going to come in hungry. They're going to it's still a zero in the win column. And even after one weekend, that's going to give a team with such high hopes, a sense of urgency. And they're going to be playing a team that they're going to get their shots in Michigan tech. So it's going to be a test for the goaltender and it's going to be a test for Duluth as well. It should be Uh, as well. uh, The matchup really should be an exciting one. Uh, If we're thinking of uh, other matchups this weekend that, I think should be uh, circle them and pay attention to. It's one that's actually starting tonight, and uh, they're playing again tomorrow as well. Clarkson and Penn State at the Pagula Ice Arena. And I see both of these teams with potential to really contend atop their conferences. And I wonder how Jake Kiley, who was a year-long and I think deserving nominee for the Mike Richter Award, I wonder how he'll handle being uh, thrown into a shooting gallery that we call Hockey Valley, because that's the kind of hockey they play out there. It's offensive, up-tempo, beat you to the races, and uh, skate you into into oblivion at Penn State. I think that might be just for style of contrast. Not even for contrast, because Clarkson can skate as well. And uh, I just want to see what uh, what those teams do. 
Yeah, we all love defense, hockey fans, but of course, there's nothing more fun than two teams just getting out and skating and that high-powered offensive hockey. And if there there are a lot of teams out there who would have a lot of fun playing Penn State, and I think Clarkson's one of them. So those are going to be some fun games. They start tonight, Thursday night, at Pagula Ice Arena. Clarkson's there for two. Those will be a lot of fun. Really, defense is important, and you like seeing big hits. But really, speed, skill, and goals are the direction that the sport is moving in, in a giant way. Uh, It's moving towards being skill-dominant. So I think that we're going to see plenty of that over the weekend. And I wonder how Peyton Jones will handle himself against a team with Deacon Sturm, Jack Jacome. Harold Eggle. Uh, there's some there's some fun names on the on the uh, Clarkson roster, and some of them that I read for the first time, and I thought I am not sure exactly how to pronounce those, but uh, okay. So I could definitely see uh, there being a real test for these guys moving forward, uh, or I should say, uh, going on tonight. And another game that uh, will tell a lot about teams in the early season. And if there is a must-win for anyone, I think it's Boston College taking on Wisconsin because BC hasn't won an out-of-conference game since defeating Arizona State in November of 2016. So if we're talking about games where one team needs to win this early, BC needs to get an out-of-conference victory to help their, uh, help their case for postseason stuff eventually. Yeah, they have two games at Wisconsin this weekend, Friday and Saturday. They need to win at least one. They need those out-of-conference wins, and they need to get started on a good foot because that's going to play in to their season. It's not like the players don't know this. It's not like the program isn't aware of this, and that kind of acknowledgement will seep in if you start the season with an out-of-conference loss, so they're going to look to start strong and in what we already said is going to be a tight hockey East, maybe not because it's full of contenders, but because it's full of programs at about the same level, those out of conference games are going to matter. It's going to matter a lot to Boston college. It's the reason Boston college season was so short last year. And the year prior as well, they've missed the last two uh, NCAA tournaments because they have struggled so terribly in out-of-conference play. It's as simple as if they would have won one or two non-conference games in either of the last two years, they'd have been in the NCAA tournaments. And considering Jerry York's track record of guiding teams deep to the Frozen Four, they could have taken a run at the championship each of the last two years if they would have played a little bit better uh, in non-Hockey East games. By the way, that includes the Beanpot, which uh, three of the teams are Hockey East teams, but whenever BCB and Northeastern play each other in that tournament, that's treated as a non-conference game as well. And to put it mildly, BC has not done well. They haven't won a Beanpot game since the Beanpot Championship in 2016 when they beat BU. So they need to figure themselves out here and Worth noting, they have two first-place votes in the most recent USCHO poll in what is a very spread-out polling. If they want to 
keep their spot in the early rankings and move up maybe and get some more recognition, they need to put on a show this weekend. Wisconsin's in the others receiving votes category too, so they could uh, catch some attention if they uh, they make some noise this weekend. But there's plenty more to tell, and there's a lot to uh, try and try and pick apart. Uh, and I just see that as being maybe the most important game that uh, games that have to happen uh, that have to be determined this weekend. I'd agree because that's the that's the school that needs an out of conference win early in the season the most in BC and shifting down Com Ave just a little bit. Another great matchup this weekend. BU travels to Mankato to take on Minnesota State. These are two teams closely tied in the USCHO rankings, BU at eight, Minnesota State at 11 for what that's worth. These are two teams that are very good. Minnesota State was very good last year. BU got on that late season run that was so good last year. And of course, they're a loaded roster. So this will be telling about both of those teams as we enter the season as well. Yeah, uh, I, I should note also that uh, these teams played last season at Aganis, and Mankato thoroughly annihilated them in both games. Six to three on the Friday night game, and three to nothing in the second game. So, if uh, we're thinking of just uh, fairly recent matchups, uh, at least for uh, for last year, they absolutely did not match up well. Again, against uh, the Mavericks, though it's a completely revamped team. I think Mankato currently ranked 11th in the standings or in the in the in the polls. I don't see that lasting for that long, particularly with the team we should talk about uh, at some point. Bowling Green having a great showing within their own conference. And then also the Mavericks are just such a different team this year. They don't have uh, CJ Sues or Zeb, Zeb Newston or former BU goaltender Connor LeCouve in that, who was a big piece of their success last year. So I just see this as being a wildly different Mavericks team, whereas BU, I mean, yes, they had uh, they had some transition behind the bench, but Albie O'Connell knows the program, and the Terriers actually have some uh, long-term stability now with Dante Fabro being back, Bobo Carpenter being back, and those guys for two – for now three and four years. You know, the best players or some of the best players on the team aren't these young freshman phenoms. They're the veteran players. They're the developed players. And Jake Ottinger back for another year. So I could definitely see this. Uh, if it goes well for BU, then it's an exhale and uh, they get their feet under them and they're good for the early going. If they struggle, then maybe you pull the panic button a little bit as – I'll admit, BU people are ought to do uh, when uh, a few games, when one or two games don't really go their way. The BU community can absolutely uh, press the panic button a little too premature. But I do see this as being a rather important game to set the tone for each of these seasons. And those BU players that are returning would know that very well because it happened all around them last year when the Terriers had to say the least, a rough start to their season, which set in pretty quickly. Oh, God, it was, uh, they were well under 500 at the turn of the semester, and then they came back and 
David Quinn admitted a mistake that he made where he there were a lot of guys who came back from the World Juniors and uh, their first time on the ice together was a game on Saturday night, I think the 6th of January, against Maine. And they just looked awful because they hadn't been playing together. They hadn't been uh, around each other. Patrick Harper was uh, done for the year after that. And by the way, Patrick Harper's actually back and playing again. So you know, that's a positive sign for, uh, for all Terrier people. But um, after that, the team rallied and they uh, knew exactly what they needed. Now they have the expectations. It's amazing that when the expectations completely fled the Terriers, they played their best hockey of the season. Now they have the expectations again, and the last two seasons that they've really been expected to do incredibly well, they've been good, but they've stumbled a bit under the burden of playing for Boston University. So I just wonder how they'll handle the early season pressure. And I do think that there's enough vets, there's enough uh, veteran leadership that should provide a stabling influence uh, on on this young team. And finally, you mentioned Bowling Green having an impressive showing. That was Tuesday. They took on Western Michigan and just lit them up. Six to two, your final score. And they were on the road for that game. They were in Western Michigan. Yeah, Kalamazoo at the Lawson Ice Arena. I feel like we probably should have uh, touched on this a little bit earlier on, but what a game that uh, that uh, these guys put on. And it's a really good display that Bowling Green, who we should note that from the WCHA in last year's tournament, there were two teams that made it. Uh, Minnesota State, who thoroughly dominated for the whole season uh, and beat non-conference competition pretty handily. So they deserved, without any doubt, any semblance of a doubt, they deserved to uh, get the nod. And then... Uh, Michigan Tech won the whole tournament over Northern Michigan. And Northern and Bowling Green were on the outside looking in ever so slightly. I think Bowling Green knows that they have a lot more talent than, uh, than like to not miss the tournament. And Alec, uh, Alec Rouser, I'm sorry if I completely missed, uh, missed his name, but he was an All-American last year as well on the Western side. And I think they healed... Uh, he's shown some real, uh, real skill uh, through his, his early going. And mind you also, this is coming on the heels of them going to Erie, Pennsylvania to play Mercyhurst and beating them 8-2 to two on Saturday night. This Bowling Green team has some offensive punch, and they should be taken pretty seriously for, uh, for national rankings, at least through the first two games, which build on a very good season from last year. You mentioned Mercyhurst, and I almost missed this one for this weekend. The The icebreaker is going to be on Friday and Saturday. And unless you're a fan of Mercyhurst or Miami, and if so, I apologize for what I'm about to say, but unless you're a fan of those two teams, everyone else is rooting to see Notre Dame and Providence play each other in the finals, right? I mean, yeah, uh, no offense to either of, those, of uh, the other schools to tell the whole truth, but we all want to see, we really want to see those teams match up against each other because 
Uh, what are their spots in the rankings right now? Uh, Notre Dame is number two, and Providence is number four. Being realistic, we want to see these teams match because we expect for them to be national contenders, and I think rightly so. I think Notre Dame, well, actually, these guys faced off in the Bridgeport Regional Final last year, uh, and it was a defensive clinic for a lot of it. Notre Dame scraped out a victory, scored the final goal with about 30 seconds left, as was their MO in, the, in last year's tournament. But, but yeah, we're all absolutely, uh, at least you and I certainly are pulling for uh, Notre Dame and Providence to get to face off e- with each other early on. And that's also being hosted by Mercyhurst, so they'll be in Erie for that. That might be our biggest matchup of the week, provided it happens, of course. And best of luck to everyone whose fans are involved. Everyone have a wonderful week. Please follow Puck University on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com, what are you working on this week? Well, I've got the two games. Uh, I'm going to Amherst tomorrow. I'm going to UMass Lowell as they host the Rochester Institute of Technology on Saturday night. Their uh, Riverhawks are playing two games on Friday and Saturday. I am only going to the Saturday game. So those are my hockey things that uh, I'm working on also. I'm writing a film review for News Talk Florida on a film I just saw, which uh, I'll spoil this one. I think you should absolutely go and watch it. A Star is Born. I think it's a brilliant movie. I'll tell you why in the review. I think you should go and watch it. It'll be it'll be great to see that. It's uh, it's supposedly going to be a great fall for movies, so it, it's a good time to be a film reviewer as well. Indeed, I'm just uh, I'm just happy that uh, you give me opportunities to write about good things, man. Well, that'll do it for us this week on Puck University. I'm your host Tim Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Wright Sports. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CC Lynch Wall. I already said please follow this podcast, but please follow this podcast and please tell a friend. And as always, keep your head up and your hits clean. <laughs>